Hello and welcome to Grace Lifestyle Bosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Amen, and that's what we celebrate this morning. That's what we celebrate uh, this weekend. And yeah, I wanted to um, get straight into the message. And we're looking at why does it mean to move from darkness to, to light. Paul, why don't you just open some of the blinds there before we all go into long weekend mode and fall asleep under my, um, under my voice. Amen. And then I feel bad for it. So uh, some natural light, I'm sure. It's a bit uh, overcast, but um, yeah, I'm sure it was overcast on, on uh, Easter Friday, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, it was dark uh, when Jesus hung on the cross. And, uh, and it's not dark anymore. Amen. Because he is the light of the world. He is the king. He is our victory. And that's what we celebrate. And uh, let's close our eyes as I pray for us. Father, thank you that we can be together this morning. Lord, you are good. You are alive forevermore. And we're alive in you. Thank you that your word says that when we've been crucified with Christ, we no longer live. But Christ now lives in us. Lord, thank you that we can celebrate that. And thank you that we know that the cross is not the end of the story. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start with that idea, really, that the cross is, is not the end of the story. Uh, that the cross is the way um, almost to the story, the way of the story. The cross is what gets us to uh, the outpouring of the Spirit. Amen. The cross is what does away with the curse so that the Spirit can come and live in us. And um, on Easter at Grace Life, we celebrate the full victory. Amen. And we celebrate it over the whole weekend and um, What's awesome is it's not just a weekend message for us. It's every Sunday. Uh, it's every time we meet, we speak about Jesus. I mean, every time we meet, we speak about His victory. We speak about what He has accomplished. And um, we speak about the fact that His victory is now our victory. Because we are in Christ. And that's really what I want you to get out of today. Is um, that we are the ones who celebrate the victory. And we don't have to celebrate the cross so much because we celebrate what happened because of the cross. We celebrate the cross. We preach the cross, but we don't camp at the foot of the cross. Amen? Because we're not seated at the foot of the cross. Ephesians 2 and verse 6 says that we are seated in Christ in heavenly places. Why? Because of the cross. Amen? But you don't need to go put yourself up on a, um, on a cross. I know people around the world do that, and they want to pray penance, or they want, to, they want to show God that they love Him. The Word says you only love God because He loved you first. Amen? Isn't that freeing? You can only reflect, basically, love. You can't generate love. Um, true love is reflected. True love is not generated. The Word then also says perfect love casts out fear. So, um, if you're fearful, if you're anxious, if you're suffering with depression, you're in the right place. Amen? Because we're going we're gonna to elevate and celebrate and spotlight love and that's really what the cross is. While you and I were yet sinners, before we were born, Christ showed His love for us by doing what? By dying on a cross. Amen? So we've got a few of these banners. The one says, empowering people to live the abundant life. That really is the spiritual life. John 10.10 10 speaks about it, and we spoke about it at the funeral yesterday. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Christ came to give life. And He had to pour out His life so that His life was available for all of us. Amen? There's another banner there. Um, the English one went missing. But um, <laughs> the Afrikaans one says, Ondek onvoorwaardelike liefde. Discover unconditional love. And um, you need to think about that for a moment. Is love unconditional? 
Is love unconditional? Well, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you, showing him, showing you his love. Okay? We're not saying everyone's going to heaven. There's a condition to going to heaven. What is the condition to going to heaven? Well, Romans 10, 9 and 10 gives us the answer. It says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. We just read from Titus 3 um, that it is good that um, it speaks about the, the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So you need to be new to get into the kingdom. Amen? You need to be a new creation. And that's what we celebrate. Jesus put down the old man and died as one of us. Hebrews 10 says that, he, that, that God prepared him a body. So it's so beautiful that God doesn't like sacrifices. But he prepared a body for Jesus. And by one sacrifice for all sin, for all eternity, he died so that the offering, the sacrificial system, and everything that is needed for our conscience is now paid. You see, a lot of what the payment of Jesus is about is about our conscience. Because I don't know about you, I know my sin. I know my sin condition. I, know my, I knew my problem. And I was looking for a solution. And guess what? The solution wasn't me. Anyone else tried that way? <laughs> and it tend to go, you tend to go worse. It doesn't necessarily get better, does it? And then you find what you're looking for. We've been looking at it for the last few weeks. There's got to be more to life, more, to me, more than me trying to be holy. More than me trying to say sorry for every sin I've ever committed. We had this discussion on the men's group this week, and we said, just think about if you have to, to confess every sin to get that sin forgiven. Okay? Now do the math, and then you say, if you forget one a day, just one, like you, say you commit ten. Who's so good? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm gracious, eh? Isn't, am I? It's Good Friday. <laughs> so say you make ten mistakes a day, and you say sorry for nine, and you forget one. Chances are good that you'll forget about one. Amen? And if you get one a day for a year, you've got 365 sins that's not forgiven. Amen? Now, how old are you? Okay, take how old you are, and then just to be gracious, let's minus 13. Let's take that you're not really accountable for your sins before you're 13 years old, like Jewish customs. Now, some of you are in more trouble than some of us. Some of us no? Uncle Charles is laughing because he's in big trouble. <laughs> you see that it's not, it can't be. Because while you were yet a sinner, Christ died. Why did he die? To pay for your sins. So you and I need to come to the renewal of our mind that it's not me that's going to pay for my sins, but he that paid for my sins. And when Jesus died on that Calvary, like what happened? None of us were born. So all your sins, all my sins, were still future sins. Because the other problem that people have is I get born again, so I get a clean slate. And now I start messing up this clean slate again, and then I need to get born again again. Or I need to get baptized again, or I need to get confessed again, or I need to come forward again, or whatever that is. Because why? I need another clean slate. Now, the baptism of regeneration really is you are now washed by the water of the word according to Ephesians 5. And now you are a new creation that is not able to contain stain. Amen? You cannot, your new nature cannot be sinful. Because the old man, the sinner, is cut off, cut away. That's what circumcision was really all about. Now, once you're circumcised, you cannot be uncircumcised. Amen? Once you're born, you cannot be unborn. Once you're you regenerated, you cannot be... Like even Nicodemus didn't understand it. He says, oh, should I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, 
Yeah, it's not that birth. It's a regeneration, it's a renewal, it's a recreation. Because even Jesus after the cross is different than Jesus on the cross. <coughs> Anyone realize that? Why? Because his body wasn't different than ours, except that it was without sin. Because he didn't inherit it through a bloodline, the Holy Spirit conceived in Mary's womb. So that's why he was the spotless lamb. And that's why he was the last offering. Because even um, John the Baptist said, listen, this is the Lamb of God. And what does he do? He polishes the sins of the world. He hides the sins of the world under a, a, a blanket. I'm testing your Bible knowledge. I'm looking for the answer. <laughs> Who takes away the sin of the world? Amen? Isn't that good news? He didn't just come to polish it, to hide it away, to put it under a bushel, to put it under a carpet, to sweep it, to put it in your cupboard, you know, and then you've got all these sins and like... Where we are now with the boys, like we realize we need to have more high-standing things. Because you put everything in cupboards, and then they start opening the cupboards. Amen? And then you put it on the top shelf, and now Jordan is very, like, looking into where's the sharpest knife, type of thing. So now you put it, like, we have to put our microwave on a crate in our kitchen, just to make sure he doesn't breach it, because he thinks it's a very good idea to warm things up. Amen? And when we're not watching, I mean, you can start a fire. <laughs> You see, as we grow up, we need to grow up into our new nature, our new creation realities. We need to realize what happened when we got born again. And that's really the renewal of the mind, and that's what we live for. So, 1 Corinthians 1.17 says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So there's a good effect that comes when we preach the cross. There's an action. There's something that happens. It's effectual to preach the cross. This 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who perish. Anyone ever share the gospel with someone they laugh at you? Who's the fool? <laughs> Alicia had it like recently. I remember in Albania as well, sharing the gospel. It's like, okay, I've heard that. I'm like, but you haven't heard it. It hasn't cut to the heart yet because you're not regenerated, you're not renewed, you're not born again. When I was thinking about it yesterday, Jesus is not the only person who ever died on a cross. But he's the only sinless man who ever hung on a cross. That's the difference. So we don't celebrate the fact that it is a cross. Because there's people who died horrible deaths on a cross. I mean, like that's why they said crucify him, because they knew that crucifixion existed. But he was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. That's what we worship. We worship the one who came without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. It says, For the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who perish, but unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. So we're looking on Good Friday at what is the preaching of the cross. Verse 21 says, For since the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. What does it mean? It's not that you should preach foolish things. No, it means that preaching is enough. Preaching is enough to get people saved. That's a good thing. Amen? That means you don't need to add. You don't need anything more than preaching to get saved, according to 1 Corinthians. Anyone see that? You need to believe what you hear. Because why? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing when you hear the word of God or the message of salvation. It says here, for the Jews require a sign, 
and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. So we don't give people what they want. We give them what they need. You see that? Sorry. It's like medicine. Doesn't have to taste good to heal you. Amen? At least the gospel is good news. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness, but unto those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So we preach the cross, we preach Christ crucified. Now look at Galatians 3, verse 1 says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Christ has been evidently or clearly set forth crucified among you. Doesn't mean that they... Um, Basically what Paul is saying is, is, I preached to you, and through the preaching of my words, I sketched, I made a picture for you, I told a story for you of what? Christ crucified. Now in those days, there were many eyewitnesses that saw Jesus crucified, and they saw Him rose again. And um, I heard someone ask, uh, what's a chat GPT? If you don't know what that is, like it's going to change your world soon. Um, so it's an AI, artificial intelligence engine. And basically, you can ask it some things, and it looks at all the data in the world, basically, and then it gives you an answer. <coughs> and this person asked ChatGPT, is the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, is it valid, historically? And this AI engine said yes. Why? Because of all the AI witnesses. So historically, and you can look this up, even if um, you want to speak to atheists, it's a historical fact that Jesus died on the cross and that He rose again. There is more evidence in ancient literature, literature that, that, that Jesus died and rose again than that Caesar existed. So people want to fight you on those things. Like, you can, There's answers to it. But we don't preach those answers. We preach the gospel. We preach Christ crucified. Amen? And if you need to help them, help them. But we... We, we, we have to not be bewitched. We have seen Christ. We know that He's crucified. But He's no longer dead. Amen? So we don't stop at the cross. And that's so important for us. And that's why I love this um, new song that we'll sing later that says, Friday is good because Sunday is coming. Amen? So we don't stop. Our message doesn't stop at the cross. Because He died for sins, but He rose again so that you and I can be alive forevermore. If Jesus only died, then our sins would be forgiven. But we would not have eternal life. He didn't just die, He rose again. He didn't just rise again, He ascended into heaven. He didn't just go into heaven, He poured out the Spirit. Amen? We need to look at the fullness of what the crucifixion means and what it brings. So why is the cross so important? Galatians 3.13 says, Christ esteemed us, or did redeem us, sorry, from the curse of the law, Having become for us a curse, for it has been written, Cursed is everyone who is hanging on a tree. So the cross is important. Why? Because it redeemed us from the curse of the law. So we have been redeemed from the curse. You cannot have a family curse if you're renewed in Christ. You cannot have a bloodline curse because you now have the blood of Jesus flowing in you. You cannot be cursed if you are regenerated, rewashed, and washed by the Holy Spirit. The word says clearly in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that all things have become new. Meaning if you were cursed in Christ, you're no longer. 
Because you've renewed, you're washed, you're regenerated, amen? Because it redeemed us from the curse. That's why we celebrate and why we preach the cross. But that's not where it stops. If you're a visitor with us, I've preached this a few times recently, but it really gets me so excited. So Galatians 3.13 is the message of grace. It says we've been redeemed from the curse because Christ died for us. We're no longer under the law because the law has been fulfilled. Amen? And you know what? It says that the handwriting of ordinances that was against us was nailed to the cross. So every law that was ever against us was nailed to the cross. With whom? With Jesus and with the sign that says this is the king of the Jews. Now, when they brought the cross down, when Jesus died, after they pierced his side, who came off the cross? The body of Jesus. And they put it in the grave, and then three days later, it wasn't in the grave anymore. The handwriting of ordinances that was against you never came off the cross. So it's not resurrected. The law is fulfilled in Christ. And now we live that New Testament life. You know, the word says so clearly that he condemned sin in the flesh. He did not condemn Jesus. But Jesus became sin, says 2 Corinthians 5.21, that you and I can be what? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, the Israelites are walking around in the wilderness. And all of a sudden, snakes are starting to come out and bite them. You know there's snakes in the wilderness. God doesn't need to send snakes in the wilderness. They're already there. Anyone with me? Okay, so they start biting them and Moses prays and he says, Make a pole and make a bronze snake. And put the snake on the pole. And when they look, when they behold the snake on the pole, what's going to happen? They're going to be healed. Don't miss the detail, people. In Genesis 3.15, God speaks to Eve and he says to Eve, Your seed is going to crush the snake's head. And he says to the snake, yeah, you'll bruise his heel, but you're going to die. Okay? Now, when Moses makes the snake on a pole, he doesn't make a lamb on a pole, does he? Wouldn't that be more in line with the gospel that we expect? Come now. The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sacrifice was a lamb. Why a snake? Because Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin. He became as the devil was, if you will. He became as one of us. And then he, in, 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 a body you prepared for me. And he came to the lowest level. And then as sin, when he was sin, he became sin. I don't know exactly how it works, but the word says it, so I believe it. Amen? He who knew no sin became sin. He didn't sin. He became sin. And it wasn't just any color snake. It was bronze. And bronze is a sign of judgment, condemnation. So when Christ became sin, became as the snake was, he was condemned and died. So the power of sin is dead. That's good news. Sin was condemned. What if we condemn this building, then we won't be here on Sunday. Why? Because it's unfit for use. The power of sin has been declared unfit for use. That's better news than what your faces express, by the way. <laughs> the power of sin is dead. Amen. It's been condemned. Christ became as we were so that we can be as He is. 1 John 4.17 says, as He is. Where is He? He's not on the cross. 
He's seated at the right hand of the Father. All power and authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto Him. As He is, so are who? Me, you, all of us in Christ. So I listen to my own C- uh, C- um, I say CDs, teachings. It's not CDs anymore, is it? There's a few at the back if you want them. We were trying to get rid of them, actually. I listened to my own teaching this week. I was so blessed. <laughs> I was super blessed by my own teachings. Because it's such truth. It's just nourishing. And it nourished me. And I was like, I sent it to Natasha. I said, I don't know if you listen to this one. But listen to it. Because it's good. Because it's life-giving. Because we celebrate Christ. We celebrate what He's done. What He's accomplished. We don't celebrate ourselves. We celebrate the one who came down, who became sin, but he is no longer sin. Amen? All power and authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto him. And now he says, come guys, come. Let's go on a mission. Let's go have fun. Let's go have an adventure. I'm giving you what I've got. My power, my name, my authority, my spirit. Let me pour it out on you. Let's go change the world. Who's with me? That's the message of salvation. Amen? It's not like get on a cross and hit yourself and crawl over this glass or anything like that. What's that going to accomplish? We preach Christ crucified. We don't preach ourselves crucified. Amen? Now Galatians 2 says that we are crucified with Him. It means when we get born again, we get baptized. Basically, we get drawn in, grafted into the tree of life. Here's the vine. We are the branches. So now whatever is true, you know how a tree works. A tree's got earrings, not earrings, earrings, okay? Which means it carries its history. So when you cut down a tree, you can see how old the tree is. You can see when there was a drought and when there was good rain, when it did get good sunshine and all of that. So now, you and I are not on the cross, are we? Anyone here have been crucified and, and resurrected? You're all lying because you all have been in Christ. But it's not physical. Because now we've been engrafted into this tree. Let's say this is the tree of life. This is Jesus. Now we've been engrafted into this tree. Now if we look at the history of Jesus, if we were to cut open and look at the the, the, the tree of life, there would be what? A crucifixion in the history of Christ, wouldn't there? Now His history becomes your history. His future becomes your future. His hope becomes your life. His message becomes your power. You are no longer living by yourself. But when now God even looks at your history, He has to look at the history of Christ and He sees sacrifice, crucifixion. But He says resurrection, power, authority. It's no longer I who live. I've been cut off. But I've been engrafted into the new creation realities, which is Christ Jesus. Amen? Anyone who is hanging on what? A tree, not a cross. What is a cross? It's a dead tree. Why did people hang on a tree or on a cross? Because they were condemned as guilty. According to what? The knowledge of good and evil. See where this is going. So there were the two trees in the garden. The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Jesus hung on one tree. And then we read Revelation and we don't read about that tree. Because when that tree is put down and Jesus' body is taken off, that tree remains dead. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is not resurrected. But the tree of life is. 
and now we're engrafted, not into the tree of knowledge of good and evil. No, we're not thinking according to that anymore. We shouldn't. We don't have to. But we're now thinking according to the new tree, the tree of life. Which is what? Light. Like I like to say, we don't have to be right. But we bring the light. Amen? In any situation, you don't have to be right. When you fight with someone, debate about the word, you don't have to win the argument. I met with two people this week and I said, I'm not here to convince you. That's not going to help any of us. But we're here to listen, to, to, to speak, to, to discuss how do we come to things, how do we see Christ. What is it that He means for us? Because verse 14 says that to the nations the blessing of Abraham may come. Not to the Israelites. To the nations. So Christ has redeemed us, verse 13, so that something could happen. Verse 14. And verse 14 there says that He's redeemed us, that the nations can have what? The blessing of Abraham. Which is what? Not Canaan. We're not all going to move to Israel. That's not the blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham is what? The promise of the Spirit through faith. What was promised to Abraham? Can you read? The promise of the Spirit through faith, not through works. We get the Spirit if we believe in Jesus. That's so beautiful. Because of the tree, now the Spirit is freely available. Because Jesus died, He was resurrected. If He, wasn't, if he never died, He could never be resurrected. And now He's ascended in a glorified state. And now He says, all things have been given to me, so guess what? I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to pour out my Spirit. That's Pentecost. You know, when Jesus said it is finished, what was He talking about? I think a few things. Last, last, uh, I say last Sunday, last Easter, I shared on what I believe it is, and that was Passover. Because if you look, at there was four cups in Passover. We think there's one cup in Passover. There was four. And even, I think it's in the Gospel of Luke, it speaks of two of those cups. And then it says he didn't have the third cup, he skipped that. And then last, before he blows out his spirit, or, or lays down his head, what does he do? He said, I, I thirst. And the last cup of Passover was judgment, it was vinegar. And Jesus takes that vinegar on a sponge, and then he says, it is finished. So what was promised to Moses and the Israelites in Exodus wasn't just to get out of Egypt. Egypt is a picture of the world. What was promised to Moses and the Israelites is a promise for us that we'll get out of the world and into the kingdom. Amen? And Jesus said, hey, I'm the way. What did Jesus say? There's a wide way and there's a narrow way. Oh, and then we make it carnal. And we make a nice painting. And we have this broad way with the rock stars and the parties and all the fun stuff. And then we have this narrow way that's full of prayer and holy things. Amen? Confession booths and sacrifices. And that's not what Jesus meant. He says, broad is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting, and few there be that find it. So how wide is the wide way? I mean, it's massive. <laughs> I mean, it's everyone who hasn't received Christ. How, how narrow is the narrow way? It's this wide. It's the embracing arms of Jesus on the cross. 
Because unless we come to Christ on the cross, we will never find the Father. But it is not about what you and I do, it's about what He did. He made a way through the veil, which is not just the curtain in the temple, no, it is His body. So when we come through the sacrifice of Jesus, His body on a cross, we do what? We find the King in our Father. We find royalty, we regenerate. You know, the point is that we're not on our way to heaven. Because that's what that painting that I refer to, the Smalleweg and the Breweg, portrays. You get to the right way and then you hope you stay on that way until you die. Jesus is not just the gate, but He's the destination. When we find the gate, we find the end. We find where we were going. When He says He is the way, and this is what, I, what blessed me from my own sermon... He isn't the road. He is the way that God is. That's beautiful. I've never heard that anywhere else. It must be the Holy Spirit. I am the way. If I tell you this is how Herman is, and I try and act like him, I'm showing you the way he is. I'm not taking you to Herman. So when Christ says, I am the way, I am the truth. The truth means the reality. Not I'm the one who doesn't lie. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life that you've been looking for. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that what we were looking for? Amen? It opened the way for us to receive the promise of faith, the promise of the Spirit of God. So why is the cross so important? Romans 8 verse 3 says, For what the law could not do. Anyone knew the law was limited? The law failed. I'm going to get out of the way quickly and just read there. For what the law could not do. So was there a problem with the law? No. The law is holy. The law is from God. The law is God's standard. But the problem with the law is that you needed flesh to keep it. Because the law was weak through the flesh. Then what did Jesus do? He became flesh and fulfilled the law. So what you and I could not do because we were weak through the flesh, Christ became flesh, but He wasn't weak in the flesh because He was born of God. Now God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He wasn't sinful flesh, He was like it. On account of sin, not account of us, He condemned what? Sin. Now, Romans 8 and verse 1, just two verses earlier, says that you are not condemned if you are in Christ. Why? Because God did not come to condemn people. John 3.17 John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. You can help me with verse 17. For God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. You see, that's what happened at the funeral yesterday. We were able to share truth about who God is, according to the Word, which was very contrary to what a lot of people believed who God is. God is not a condemner. God is a lover. Amen? God came to deal with, with the law 
without problem. We are no longer cursed. We have full access to the Spirit that now lives in us. And sin was condemned, not us. Why was the cross important? Hebrews 10.10 By which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Oh. If you need to know and remember three verses of the Bible, John 3.16 is a good one. John 10.10 is a good one. The thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. I came to give you life and life in abundance. But Hebrews 10.10 is not far off. By the which will, you are sanctified. Not you are being sanctified or you will be sanctified. Now, if you have a good Bible translation, it means you are. It's a one-stop shop. It's a one-time deal. Amen? Through the offering, not through your good works, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once offering for all sin, for all time, for all humanity. One offering was good enough. Sanctified means that you were made holy. You're not trying to be holy. In Christ you are holy. Because the picture of holiness is wrong. Holiness means set apart. You're different. You're renewed. You're regenerated. Now live like it. That's Colossians 3. You're a man and a woman of, of heaven. Live like it. And that's how we live better. When we understand our identity. Not when we try to live better or we do it from a, a bad place. Verse 14 says, And by His one perfect sacrifice, He made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. For by one offering He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now we just said in verse 10 that we are sanctified. So you can see how the translator messed it up in verse 14. It's a bit schizophrenic. In verse 10 says, you are sanctified. And now four verses later he says, you're being sanctified. So either you are or you are not. So in the Greek it says, you are. You are not being sanctified, you are sanctified. Now you are trying to renew your mind to your new tree identity. And now you start living more like Jesus than yourself. By His one perfect sacrifice, He made us perfectly holy and complete. You see, if you perfect it, how are you? Perfect. Colossians 2 says you're complete. So the only thing that you can do with being sanctified is the renewing of the mind. You're now starting to learn to live more according to your new nature, your new identity. I don't know about you, but if you make mistakes before you get saved... Chances are you're going to make them maybe again after you get saved. Why? Because you're still of the old mind. Now we renew the mind according to who we are in Christ, according to what He's done, not what I do. And over time, you look at your life and you're like, wow, I'm doing better. Not because I have to. No, because I'm focusing on the right things. So now I look like, more like a Christian. Amen? No amens. We like to say that if, uh, if you, if, say it comes out at work that you're a Christian, please don't let it be that people are shocked by the news. We're not undercover agents, amen? Your religion is not a quiet, private, separate thing. It is to be preached from the mountaintops. Colossians 1 verse 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. How beautiful. You are 
You are capable, you are worthy to partake of the inheritance of the saints. Which is what? Forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit. No condemnation life. You are worthy. Verse 13 says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Some of the translation says the kingdom of the Son of His love. Isn't that beautiful? You and I were in darkness, but we are no longer. Now in the mornings when, um, when Jordan calls me, which by the way, the days we come to church, they sleep in. I just don't understand. Like this morning again, Natasha and I woke up at 5 o'clock, just after 5. They were asleep. I will prophesy that tomorrow morning will probably be the other way around. I just don't know how it works. But when Jordan calls me and he's been in his room for a good 10 hours or whatever and it's dark and I switch on the light, what happens? He is blinded by the light. Is he still in darkness? Why? Because the light is shining. Amen? So now, sometimes we get born again and we still feel blind but our eyes just need to adjust to the light of the spirit that's now shining in and among us that's why we can't expect someone who's just get born again to live a completely holy life because they're still adjusting to living in the light and then there's some things in our hearts and in our history that we, 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 we God you can get all of me but not this all of me for you, Jesus, but not my history. All of you, but not my cupboard of sins or my trailer of shame. But God says, I take you just as you are. I want all of you. I want to shine my light so deeply into your heart that, that you get used to it. That you get used to it. You see, I love the, the words from the um, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Why was I blind? Because I was in the dark. In the kingdom of darkness, who can see? No one. But now we brought over into the kingdom of the Son of His love, which is the kingdom of light. And now we see things as they are. So it's not that you need healing for your eyes. No, you need to be born again completely. You need to come into the new kingdom. You need to have the light switched on in your life. You see, even in the kingdom of darkness, you can try and do everything right. Does it bring you into light? It doesn't. Christ brings you into that light. And now you see clearly, no longer in a glass. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. What does that do for your spiritual warfare prayers? He has delivered you from the power of darkness. Lord, please deliver me from the power of darkness. Darkness in the name of Jesus, leave. Christian, read. Have is past tense. From what? The power of what? Darkness. Are you still in the power of darkness? No, you're in a different kingdom. You're in the kingdom of the son of his love. 
You see that in heaven. We're not calling heaven down. We're speaking from heaven. And we says, as it is in heaven, so let it be on earth. That's spiritual warfare. Shining light. Not in your own light. But bringing light to the blind. The ones who has not yet heard the gospel. That's for someone. That's good. The son of his love. I'm almost closing. Colossians 1.11 from the Passion says, And we pray that you would be energized with all his explosive power from the realm of his magnificent glory, filling you with great hope. We live in a hopeless world, but we don't be hopeless. Because we are filled with his magnificent glory. We are filled with hope, great hope. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. That's a lot of words, amen? (laughs) That's a lot of good words. It says, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering. Sorry, Christian, you might have some requirement for patience and some long-suffering, but guess what? The, The fruit of the Spirit includes that. Because in this world, you will have trouble. Even Jesus said, the body is weak. Jesus' body was weak. It wasn't sinful. But he didn't want to go to the cross, did he? But he realized that the spirit is bigger. Verse 12 then says so beautifully there that your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. Where? In the light. We've been translated from darkness to light. I love this picture because it shares our purpose. The world is still in darkness. But we don't live in this kingdom. No, we live in a spiritual kingdom. And we need to have people translated from natural living to supernatural living, to spirit life. Verse 13 says, He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of His beloved Son. Young's literal says, Who did rescue us from the authority of the darkness? (laughs) Who did rescue you? Past tense. From what? The authority of darkness. Does darkness have power or authority over a Christian? And did translate us into the reign of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of the sins. Listen to this prophecy from Isaiah 9. It says in verse 2, The people that have walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them have the light shined. I don't know about you, but I used to live there. The land of the shadow of death. But I'm no longer there. I've been translated. I've been born again. Regenerated. Renewed. Not by my works, but by His love. Not my cross, His cross. Not my life, His life. Not my power, His power. Not my name, His name. Not my life, His light. Now we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Because we now need to live according to that new kingdom where we live. Galatians 2 and verse 20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. I want to ask you this morning, is that true for you? Can you, like Paul, boldly say that I am crucified with Christ? I know that Jesus was crucified. That's the first thing you need to realize before you can put yourself in the boat with Him. Or on the cross with Him. 
says, nevertheless, I live. We don't just become Christians and go to heaven. We become Christians and then we get purpose. Then we find our calling, our destiny. Then we start living the adventure. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Wow. Boldly proclaiming the truth. The truth is the reality. If you're a Christian, Christ lives in you. And it's not a scary thought. It is a powerful knowing that you are never alone. The life I now live in the flesh. Guess what? I'm still in the flesh. Etienne's brother is no longer in the flesh. He's now where we're all going to see the Lord face to face. But while we're still in the flesh, this earthly tabernacle, this tent, is carrying something precious. And what are we treasuring? Are we treasuring the life of God that is on the inside of us? Because of the cross. Because of the resurrection. Because of the ascension. Because of the outpouring of the Spirit. We have now full access to live in this new kingdom. By the faith, and a good translation will say, of the Son of God, not in the Son of God. Jesus had to have faith that the cross was the plan and that he would be resurrected. Have you ever thought of that? Jesus had to believe that God would raise him from the dead. That's a novel thought, isn't it? So it's not my faith, but it's his faith that enables me to now put my faith into his victory. Because he believed first, I can now believe. Because he died, I can now live. Because he went down into darkness, I can now live in the light. Amen? Why? Why? For the Son of God who loved me. Don't miss that. For God so loved the world. Now, I don't know about you, at one stage I thought, yeah, it's easy for God to love us and send Jesus to do the dying. But the Word says it so beautifully that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself. For God so loved the world that He sent Jesus, for Jesus so loved us that He went through with God's plan. Why? For He loved us. The Son of God, who loved. And you see, now Paul makes it personal. And you and I need to do too. He loves us, but He loves me. If there was one me, one person, He would still do it. Because that's enough. You are worthy enough. Worth enough. Now He says in verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Then Christ died unnecessarily. Why? The law which was limited, which was weak through the flesh, could never make those who come unto it holy. So the powerful flesh, Jesus came and dealt with that so that we can now live where the law could never get us because of our flesh. That means you and, my, you and I, our flesh is now out of the way. 
we're now living in that kingdom. And that kingdom is now in our flesh, but it's in our spirit. For Jesus said the kingdom of God is where? Inside. In the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ is our victory. Easter is a celebration of that victory. From darkness to light. From blindness to sight. Amen. That's why it's Good Friday. We're going to sing a song now and um, Sean is going to come up and just uh, do something. The song says that um, Friday is good because Sunday is coming. And that's really our celebration of this weekend is we celebrate the victory that we now have. I am crucified with Christ, yet we live. Not me, but Christ in me. The hope of glory. Why don't we just close our eyes? I just want to pray for us and you can pray where you are. Lord, thank you that this is a reality for us. Help us to see it more. To live more according to this new creation reality. For God who loved us, who loved me, help us to make it personal. Holy Spirit, the words that were spoken this morning, help it to, 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 to break it open, to penetrate deep into the hearts of your people. That we would realize that we weren't called to die because we're already dead. We were called to live with the one who's living forever. Thank you, Father, that we can celebrate your goodness. That we can celebrate all that you are. Where you are, just make like Paul. Make it personal. Make it personal for you. Make it that Christ died for me. Christ died for me. The Son of God loved me. Yes, He loves the world, but He loves me. Yes, He died for the world, but He died for me. Yes, He paid for the sins of the world, as big as that is, but He he paid for my sins. He gave me life. I used to be a sinner, but now I'm alive in Christ forevermore. Father, we thank You that Your Word is personal. We thank You that Jesus is alive. We thank You that Christ is our victory. And we celebrate that this Easter. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca